Hey, y'all. Thanks for sticking around for today's edition of the Chase Thomas Podcast presented by Blue Art Pods. Uh, part three coming up in just one second with Andy Staples of the Andy Staples Show and uh, college football writer of theathletic.com. Go subscribe to The Athletic uh, today if you have not already done so. A very great sports website that uh, you should go check out and be subscribed if you're not already. Uh, Andy was great uh, being able to talk to him about all things college football, the realignment mess that uh, is taking place right now in college football, where things are headed, um, what to what to make of just the future of conferences, the college football playoff, Notre Dame's future, uh, Tennessee, Florida, the SEC, SEC West predictions, and why that's more of a mess. But we talked all things college football, and it was, it was a really, really fun conversation to be able to talk to uh, one of my favorite sports writers and sports podcasters and Andy Staples. So very much appreciate him taking the time to join the program as we wrap up here on a Wednesday edition of the Chase Most Podcast. Thank you as always for making the Chase Most Podcast part of your daily listen wherever and however you check out the podcast. Greatly appreciate it. Um, we're live new content every single day here on the Chase Thomas Podcast. So make sure you're subscribed on all that good stuff so that you never miss an episode. Uh, you can also watch this episode and watch all of our content over on YouTube, youtube.com slash Chase Thomas Podcast. Like and subscribe, tell a friend, share the videos, all that good stuff as we continue growing that out. Uh, but yeah, thank you as always for making the time. I appreciate uh, your listenership and uh, email the program. If you have any questions for me, mailbag stuff, Chase Thomas Podcast at gmail.com all right wrapping up here on a wednesday uncle darren let's go chase thomas pod the chase thomas podcast um my nephew needs me to record see i hate i already hate it i hate it all right welcome back to the chase thomas podcast taping this on a tuesday afternoon andy staples of the andy staples show over on the athletic also a college football writer one of my favorite writers that i've been reading for quite a long time i won't tell andy how many years just uh n- not make him feel old or anything but uh, i've been reading i am from- old it's okay I, I i am willing to accept that i am up there in years these days and it's okay yeah i I'm, i've i've learned you're only as old as you feel that's true i, I mean i'm 31 now you uh you don't feel like mentally you feel the exact same but physically where there's there's runs on rocky top where you're going uphill and you're like i my knees are not not what they used to be (laughs) and i have pains now that i did not used to have that's what you feel this is why and and i i lived in knoxville for two years so Mm. i know how that feels i the the undulation of the uh the landscape is not great for the for the runners no where i live there is no elevation whatsoever <laughs> it is perfectly flat so i'm my, my knees thank me every day but yeah i i would i would probably have to take up the bike or the elliptical if, okay. I, were, if I were where you are i like it i like it are you a runner or no yes yeah okay. i uh i don't run very fast but i do run and and a lot of it now i, I got the the peloton app and you know you had the treadmill workouts but i'll just run outside with those in my ear and they're they're Mm. telling you when to speed up slow down and i like that it's it's helped me i've actually gotten a little faster doing the interval work and the hit work and stuff like that because before i would just kind of plot along for a while and like listen Mm. to a podcast and as as much as i would love listening to your show or or somebody (laughs) else's show it doesn't make you move that fast I'm right there with you. I don't listen to anything when I run. Uh, Malcolm Gladwell shamed me into that a couple of years ago, reading uh, that stuff. Like, I, where he's like, if you really love running, you shouldn't need any uh, anything else in the outside. Malcolm Gladwell should listen to some Meek Mill and shut up. 
what if he did what if that's like one of his morning routines he's just uh he, before he heads out to the cafe he just has dreams and nightmares uh oh, yeah. blasting in the in the apartment in new york he would never ever suggest running without music if if he'd ever heard dreams and nightmares Ooh, there you go i feel like i mean i love it now i won't lie it's one of those things where i plan out podcasts uh while i'm running i like Mm -hmm. i get lost in my own thoughts so where i'm like oh i should hit up andy this week or oh i should do this and oh have i reached out to that person i'm planning a wedding uh in two months (laughs) so like i gotta think about stuff like that uh, that i still have on my plate My, my wedding my wedding planning consisted of this yeah oh yeah okay sounds good cool okay here's the thing though is your now wife a pretty definitive person where it was like you she didn't need your real input on the matter to settle like no, back and forth she, she didn't want my real input oh okay but she she would ask mm-hmm. and then i'd say i like this and she'd say no i think we should do this i'm like then why did you ask <laughs> <laughs> to get you involved to just yeah, feel like right. you're a part of the process like exactly it's the, uh, she was throwing you a bone, but not really. And then you gave an opinion. She wasn't really looking for one. It was just her talking out loud and uh, looking to see if you were you're paying attention. Well, for me, I'm colorblind. So everything oh. for me is extremely complicated. So she'll, uh, for instance, like there was a, we have a Keyshawn and who is sitting right next to us right now, but mm-hmm. um, she has these pills. Uh, she's getting older. And I learned yesterday because I told her, I she was like, uh, it's the white pill. And I was like, what white pill? Which, uh, she was yeah. Like, and she was like, the white pills. And I was like, they're all white. And she's like, no, we have a pink one and a white one. And that's, and I was like, no clue. No idea. Oh, I'm, I'm yeah. legally colorblind. So I didn't test. Really, so I am red green colorblind. Yeah. Like in, in biology class in ninth grade, our teacher was taking the, you know, they had the sheets where the little numbers are buried in the, in the dots. Mm-hmm. And that, oh, they I'm familiar. That, yes. Yeah. <laughs> to test for actual mm-hmm. colorblindness. But the red green is a, is a variation of it, which, I can see red and I can see green. I have no idea if it looks like what everybody else sees, but mm. I see a different number in the dots than mm. everybody else. And my teacher's like, well, nobody, there's like one out of 85 people and or one out of 85 males are red, green, colorblind. So there's very little chance anybody in this class is. And then when he realizes it's me, he's like <laughs> showing me all these numbers. He's like, now what about this one? What about that? And like, everybody's just staring at me. I'm like, please, please make this stop. Please, please go away. Well, it's one of those things too, where people get mad at you for this thing that you can't control where if you do the number game with somebody else where they think i'm messing with them they think i'm being dishonest by telling them like i don't see the number they're like how do you not see it it's right there it's 13 and you're like i would love to be able to see it i cannot see it i don't know what to tell you but my brain does not see it so i don't know what to do i can't help you well but that for the wedding planning i imagine Mm. that you you just sort of recuse yourself right certain decisions well, I don't want to like lead the charge where it's like if I can help settle or like help move forward on certain things, then I'll do that. That's where I'm good stepping in where I'm like, okay, you're back and forth and that kind of thing. Or you need contacts, need help reaching out to folks, that sort of thing, doing some research. I can do that. But in terms of like theme and picking stuff and like it was a, it's been a struggle with the whole soup thing because I'm like, it's not going to look what it looks like. It's a blue and black look the same to me. So I don't really have a preference on, uh, yeah. on that matter because it won't even look like what it looks like to everybody else. Uh, to I me. do like I do like the Navy for the yeah. groom at a wedding. It does look good. Uh, it's, it don't don't feel like you have to stand on ceremony. Let's put yeah. it that way. Well, I think I'm. I think we're gonna end up do. I think we're doing a navy blue, and then I'm doing a green. Like a, it's a type of green that I've never heard of. It's a green that I can't see, so I will have right. to take your word for it. But it's some sort of green 
white and then brown shoes and brown belt. But yeah, it's a, uh, it's a whole thing. Like our, she got me for my birthday a year and a half ago, colorblind glasses, sunglasses. And uh, so thoughtful. It's one of the early signs that uh, this was going to work. This is the one. Yes. Right. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's a fun time. Um, Andy, as much as we could keep, uh, talking about our wedding plans and our uh, choices in weddings. Uh, I think folks would like to hear uh, our perspective on some college football stuff. But I want to ask you this as someone who does a show Monday through Friday over on The Athletic, a very good show that everyone should go check out if they have not already done so on theathletic.com. The realignment talk, because for me, I've hesitated to dive too much into it. I read it. I keep up with it part of me now wants to just stop reading it and just Mm -hmm. send me a text alert when it's all done. And then we can move forward because I don't know if I can handle one more alert of like, well, they're talking like the latest one this week is the SEC is done at 16. And you're like, okay, the SEC is not read the, read the story though. You read the Mm -hmm. full story. It's like one athletic director says the SEC presidents don't want to move past 16 unless they decide they do (laughs) like, it doesn't mean anything. The SEC was never going to make the next move anyway. Like mm. it's not logical. But I will say the realignment stuff on the podcast. People love it. Yeah, and people say they don't, but I see the numbers. Like mm. they listen more than they listen more to that than anything else. Even and, during the year, like during the season. Yeah. Oh wow. Oh yeah. That, that, that if you could do realignment during the season, yeah, like that. If you if you had a like, remember, what was it when when Rutgers and Maryland went to the Big Big Ten? That was mm. actually during the season. Yeah. I remember, I was in Eugene for some big Oregon game. I think they were playing. Maybe they were playing Stanford that day, mm. and um, and so that all happened that morning, and it was just like, yeah, that that sort of supernova is mm. what everybody would want. Because you could have your realignment talk and then you could talk about some games because yeah. ultimately that's what it, we all want the games. We, we, you know, we, we only get them for three and a half months. That is the, the blessing and the curse of college football. But realignment does seem to get people just really interested, not necessarily excited because for fans of certain schools, the, the results are not good mm. and, and it's scary. But they, but everybody wants to know, and everybody wants to know what's going to come next or what might happen next. And, and there's not a lot of definitive information. You know, that's that's part of the problem with all this is anybody who's actually involved in it is not going to be leaking something until it's about done. Are you getting any like a lot of emails from fans at like Tech, at Georgia Tech, at Oregon State, who are just like, are we about to be just? where app state was uh right before they made the jump to the fbs where it's like we're running the group of five and we're gonna have our own playoff and we're just getting left out of where we're at like is is there a lot of fear uh with a lot of schools that you're you're learning okay yeah and frustration too because Mm. you you've been part of this thing for this long and now it looks like if you can't be part of the Big Ten of the SEC then you're not really part of the thing anymore Mm. now I would argue that if Greg Sankey, if Kevin Warren, if, if those people are smart, they will find a way to create a postseason where those people are part of it, where they are hmm. included. Because I think there's more money in that for everybody long term. March Madness also, shows that. Right. And it also doesn't turn all those people off because – listen, if I am a K-State fan or a hmm. Kansas fan or an Oregon State fan, and this round of realignment 
ends up with my school getting busted down to what I think is an inferior level to what it was. And they have no chance to ever play in the playoff with the teams from the SEC and the Big Ten. I wouldn't want to watch any of their games either. Hmm. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't watch Ohio State, Michigan. I wouldn't watch the Iron Bowl. Mm-hmm. But if I felt like my team did have a chance, if it had a really good year, if it won its league, that they'd still have a chance to make the playoff, then I absolutely would watch Ohio State, Michigan, and the Iron Bowl because I want to know this is the team my team might play. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's exciting. So you you risk turning off a bunch of casual fans who would also be watching your product if you just say, we are the only show in town. What do you think Sankey and Warren would say to that? I think they might agree with me. I hope they'll, they would agree with me. You know, I, I think they might say, you know, they might say, well, it's not our job mm-hmm. to take care of them. Our job is to take care of our leagues as best we can. And then however else it falls, it falls. But that's why I, I, I would, that's why I say, I do think the postseason makes more money long-term for everybody the other way. The regular mm-hmm. season is going to make a ton of money for the Big Ten and the SEC anyway. I mean, they're going to be so far ahead of everybody else, it's not even going to be a competition. Mm-hmm. So it's not like they really even need to worry about, will one of these other schools from some of the other leagues come up and, and then beat our team for the national title? Probably not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Once you get 10, 15 years into this where the economic disparity is, so is that big. But what's wrong with the champion of whatever whatever we're calling, you know, some amalgamation of the Big 12 and the Pac-12? Because it's it does seem like one either has to take from the other or they got to merge or something like that. And you can kind of create the, the third conference mm-hmm. or the ACC would be the, they'd be the third and the fourth, those, those two. And let's say you had four auto bids, Big Ten champ, SEC champ, and then the champs of those two conferences. Well, who's this, what's wrong with one of their champs being an 11 seed and then beating the six seed in a round one game and then, and then playing in a quarterfinal and maybe, maybe having a good game and winning that and getting to the semis? And then it's sort of like, like you mentioned in March Madness. Well, you get to the Sweet 16 or the Elite Eight. That's when the, the team with all the, the money smashes you. Mm-hmm. But then everybody had fun watching your run. Mm-hmm. And then you get to see the big dogs slug it out. It's a magical formula and it works. Yeah. I don't. It's interesting. Like you, uh, Jeff Goodman was talking about it and whether or not Kasanke ruffled some feathers this week on that, where it's like there might just be their own tournament where the March Madness might change. They, they love doing that. They love threatening that too. That's a bad. Like, that's one where I think you could probably sell people on college football splitting off the playoff in that way. March Madness is one. Just why touch that one? I, I don't. If, if you did it, I mean, you would have like you just adjust your expectations of what Cinderella is. Like, yeah, Cinderella would be would be Oregon State, yeah, or somebody like somebody who wasn't particularly good that year and then makes a run. Mm-hmm. But it's not the same thing. It's not like St. Peter's beating Kentucky. Yeah, like the nation was captivated by St. Peter's beating Kentucky. And in football, you're not going to have that. Like a St. Peter's level school would have no shot against the football version of of Kentucky, which isn't actually Kentucky, but a St. Peter's level school would get smashed by Kentucky football as well. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, it, 
but we're talking about you know them playing Alabama or Ohio State that that sort of team. It's not the same thing because in basketball, if you got five guys who've played together for a while, or you or like the Butler scenario in 2010, mm-hmm. like when Butler played Duke for the national championship, the best player on the floor was, was playing for Butler. It was Gordon Hayward. Mm-hmm. So you're never going to have that in in football where right and even if you have the best player on the field if the other team has the next 15 best you're still going to lose yeah and that was like a really uncomfortable conversation where it's like you root on the cincinnati situation they did everything they were supposed to do to get there but there was no one who thought that they could run the gauntlet that you could beat georgia then alabama or alabama then georgia like that was never a possibility but you, you have to like, you don't want to poo-poo what they did and things like that. But that is part of it where it's like, yeah, you can, you're can you long for the ride and you're kind of in the group, but football is different. You're not running that kind of gauntlet. You just don't have the players. You don't have the pieces. No, but if they can get in there and, and like I said, win a first round game, yeah, win a, win a quarterfinal, like that's enough. That's enough mm-hmm. to make that an incredibly popular postseason event. And it also keeps their regular season interesting to all of us, mm-hmm. not just to their fans, but to all of us. And I think, again, there's value in that. There's value in that for, for non-conference games. If you're the Big Ten of the SEC, there's value in that for those leagues, obviously, for their regular seasons. And there's value in that for the postseason. And I just it, it allows college football to be a more national proposition and, and cover the whole country because you can say, okay, the big 10 is a national conference now because it goes from Piscataway to Los Angeles. But I mean, that's a pretty big gap between Lincoln, Nebraska and LA. Mm-hmm. The Pacific Northwest is a pretty heavily populated area that, that isn't included there. You know, the, the rest of Southern the Northern California is a massive population area that's not included there. So I do think, that it would be good for the game if they were to come up with a postseason format that doesn't forget all those people that, that, that remembers they're there, gives them some value, assigns them some value. And that keeps everybody more interested because again, that's going to bring more viewers to Texas, Georgia Mm -hmm. or USC, Michigan state, or any of those big blockbuster matchups that, that the SEC and Big Ten are are moving to create. But do you think that's ultimately what happens? Do you think they do get the invite to the party and that's still where we're headed? That that will be the way things go? Or do you think I, it- I don't know. I don't know. It's a, it's a weird chicken egg situation too because they don't they haven't decided on a playoff format yet. Mm-hmm. And they don't know what the what the legal alignments are going to look like. So what are you going to do? You're going to figure out your legal alignments first and then your playoff format? What would you do? You don't have. I, I would want the legal. I would want to know what the legal elements were before I made the mm-hmm. playoff format. But I don't know if you can do that because they have to have a format. Mm-hmm. I'd say within the next year, because they got to start booking stuff. Yeah, like you don't want like some plumbers convention to come in and, and book New Orleans and, and you know every hotel room in New Orleans and you can't have the game there or wherever it is you want to have where you want to play it. So they've got to figure all that stuff out and. The first time they're meeting about that, I believe, is next month. So hmm. I don't know that they're going to have more def- any more definitive answers about who's going to be where by then. What, what does your gut tell you? Is it four conferences left standing at the end of this? Do you think there's no way that all five are around this time next year? Like, where do you think it ultimately goes? If you, your gut feeling. I think you could have all five. 
Mm-hmm. It just may look different. And mm-hmm. and one one may not feel the same. Whether the Pac-12 being the most likely. That's what I would think. I would think if you're going to, like if it's Pac-12, Big 12, and one's going to take from the other, logically it feels like the Big 12 would be able to take from the Pac-12. It's got a stronger middle. It also doesn't have to care whether Oregon and Washington stay for a long time. I think mm-hmm. because of the history together, the members of, of the Pac-12, the remaining members, are going to look at Oregon and Washington and say, okay, you got to give us a long-term commitment. And Oregon and Washington are going to be like, but we're waiting on the Big Ten to see if they want us. Because it's legitimate that they would be considered for the Big Ten. Like they, mm-hmm. they, They'd be great candidates if, if the Big Ten decided to expand further, and especially if they wanted to go further out west. So... Yeah, I would think if if you did anything like that, the Big Twelve would be the one who absorbed that. Mm-hmm. And then and then if you're the remaining Pac twelve schools, you would probably take from the Mountain West. And then you're still the Pac twelve, but are you the same? Yeah. Probably not. You're kinda like I what mean, the Big Twelve is po- or what they looked like they were going to be post Texas right. and Oklahoma. But I but I would argue if the Big Twelve can get the best of what the Pac twelve has left, mm-hmm. that's a really good league. That's yeah. a, I already thought that the new Big Twelve when Texas and Oklahoma leave was going to be one of the most fun leagues to watch mm-hmm. because you would have gone into most seasons where that's a 12 team league. You know, sometimes people are up, people are down, but like eight to nine teams would probably walk into every season with a legitimate chance to win the conference title, mm-hmm. which would make some great games. Sunbelt's my jam. They just got to protect. I love Sun the Sunbelt. Well, and, and the Sunbelt's a great example yeah. of this. Sun, the Sunbelt yeah. was the number 10 FBS conference. It was number 11 at one point when the WAC was still around. Mm-hmm. And they are now, what are they, number seven? They're just like, so smart in the way they've built it and the way it's marketed, mm-hmm. all of it. The Sun Belt's the perfect conference. I tell folks, and ironically, I'm like, no, like Marshall App State was one of my favorite games last year. Like, I love oh, that game. And and the, the like you talk to the people at Coastal, they're terrified of Marshall coming into the league. Yeah. Because they know how good Marshall can be. And They've done a great job of picking programs that care deeply about football, even mm-hmm. if they're not the biggest. Like Appalachian State and Georgia Southern, when they were FCS schools or 1AA or what, you know, back in the day, mm-hmm. they always cared deeply about football. They always drew crowds. Like that's what you want at that level. Mm-hmm. That's how you succeed. That's part of like why the whole the the relegation aspect of all of this is so intriguing to me. As a it's never league, gonna happen, but it would be amazing. Wouldn't it actually be like if there was ever a sport or some kind of league in America to adopt that model, it's actually college football. So when I like started going through it and some buddies and I were talking about it, it's like that actually would be the best thing because that's ultimately kind of what happened with the teams like App State and Georgia Southern where it's like they prove that they really care and they can mm-hmm. get the crowds and they've won enough there where it's like we need a new challenge and they yeah, move or, up. Or Utah and TCU on another level. Right. That would actually be the best case scenario. That would be so much fun. It would make the end of season. Like, can you imagine like a well, situation? Yeah, like, like tie, tie the Sun Belt. Now, I, you got the ACC and the Big 12, so mm-hmm. it, it wouldn't work this way, but theoretically you you would have to tie one league to the other. So you tie the Sun Belt to the SEC and you tie the Mac to the Big Ten. Mm. And like so imagine Coastal and, and the Raging Cajuns are playing a game to decide who plays in the SEC next year. Oh my God. And then and then and then you've got Vandy and Missouri playing a game to decide who has to play in the Sun Belt next year. <laughs> I <laughs> mean it would be incredible. Situation. Yeah, that's must see TV. Um 
what do you think like what do you think ultimately happens next do you think someone moves to the big 10 next do you think everything's quiet for a while across the board what do you think is actually the next chess move the time frame i can't figure out Mm -hmm. because notre dame can take as much time as it wants Mm -hmm. but i do think ultimately notre dame gets pushed into a league this time is it and i've always off because of the playoff. I, I've always been the one who says Notre Dame should never join a league if they don't want to. Mm-hmm. But their feeling is if they feel like they're going to get nudged out of the playoff, they'll join a league. Yeah. And the money, the money's pretty outrageous at this point. Like joining mm-hmm. the Big Ten makes them more money than staying independent. So, hmm. but I don't know when they do that. You know, I, I think if I'm them, I wait and see what the playoff discussion looks like. Because I don't feel forced into it, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to stay independent. Mm. And so my guess is the next move is something with the Big uh, Big 12 and the Pac-12. And like I said, I don't know what direction that goes. I don't know if it's a merger. But it feels like that's sort of the inflection point. That's where something's got to happen. And do you think the ACC just hangs around because of the Granite Rights stuff for 10 years, that they're just around? I don't know about so I don't I don't think it goes like that because I, I I've read the grant rights mm. I understand did you understand it I I don't get it I, no I no not it, not yeah. entirely I'm not a lawyer um, <laughs> but I do know it's it's very much tied to the TV contract yeah and they want a new TV contract and I know if you ask somebody at the conference office they'll say well it would survive if we uh, the grant rights would survive if we if we ripped up our TV contract to which I'd say I, I've never been to law school but mm. I. Guarantee you I could find a bunch of lawyers who would say every word of this document is tied to that TV contract. And if that TV contract goes away, they're going to have a pretty compelling argument why it doesn't stand up in, anymore. So that's a that puts the ACC in this. Like, you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. So unless mm-hmm. you just get this monster TV deal that makes everybody happy, then it's not it, it might let people go. Mm-hmm. And then you're then you didn't solve the problem. Man, I I'm curious. I I do wonder. Like that's it feels like whatever note. So it seems like because you said they're gonna have to make a move on the playoff before league alignment just being completely uh just understood. That tells me that like Notre Dame is probably the next chess piece because like if I, yeah. the playoff committee makes a thing where it's like you have to be in a conference or we're not putting you in our playoff, then it's like all right, I guess where we have to do it now, and then it, it, everything exactly. starts unfolding. Yeah, and then the the thing is, you know, because I had asked somebody, well, what did, what about the TV deal with the Big Ten? Because they need to, they actually need to get that thing hammered out here in the next few months because it mm-hmm. starts next July. And I said, do they do they have to know if they're going to get Notre Dame or not? And um, based on the people that that myself and my colleagues at the Athletic have talked to about this, they don't have to. Like mm-hmm. they can make a contingency plan with the the networks that they're bargaining with and say, okay, if we use this lineup, here's what it's going to look like money wise. If we add Notre Dame, here's what it looks like. If we add Notre Dame and somebody else, here's what it looks like. And then so they get that all agreed to. And if Notre Dame decides to join two years down the road, it just goes to that. I'm also curious just how this affects the non-revenue sports, Andy. Like, it it can't be a coincidence that all of this is just spinning out of control when Tennessee takes over all of college athletics. And it it can't be... (laughs) When we become an everything school and Danny White arrives in the scene and Rise Glorious becomes a thing, Tennessee baseball <laughs> become the villains of college baseball. They can't be beaten for months at a time. Until uh, uh, until when it actually matters. Uh, that's that's so neither here nor regional. 
that's neither here nor there. It's really, really hard to stay on top. Uh, when we get everybody's a game, like that's just how it is. When you're it, well, that especially the way they play. Uh, I mean, it's an exciting brand of baseball that rating show. Once Tennessee was eliminated, it was not as fun for a lot of folks. Nobody wanted to see the Ole Miss Rebels who just snuck in after a bad season uh, run the gauntlet. No, they wanted to see Tennessee keep it moving. They wanted to see the the the, the Vitello show keep it moving. My man Drew Gilbert so and company. It, it, yeah. You're mentioning SEC baseball, which yeah. at this point is sort of tipping into revenue sport land. But mm. you know, here's my thing on the, re- on the non-revenue sports, and this is going to sound really harsh, but I don't care. Yikes! Can't do it, Andy. I can't do that. No, take they they no, they funded them before all this money started coming in. Mm-hmm. If they would like to continue funding them, they will. If they care enough, they'll fund them. If they don't yeah. care enough, they won't. And and any AD who tells you, well, I just can't. No, you just don't care enough. And that's not hmm. my fault. That's not your fault. That is that AD's fault for not caring enough. Well, do you think if they cared? They'd they'd fund it. Well, do you think it will be a situation? I think it was Bud Elliott who brought this up where it's like, we're going to get to the point where it's going to be contracts for basketball and football, and then everything else becomes club. Do you think that's where we're headed? I mean, that's kind of what it should be. Why Mm. should football pay for another sport? What did that other sport do for football? Well, the betterment of the university, right? Like it's better for everybody. Okay. More scholarships for people, free college for a lot of people. if, If only we could agree on this, as a population of the United States of America, if only that wasn't like a major divisive issue <laughs> True. in the United States of America about, mm. you know, somebody subsidizing somebody else mm-hmm. like that. And I would argue that most of the people who really like college football, mm. not big fans of subsidies everywhere else. Yeah. I don't know, man. I, I just, I, I really enjoy everything and just being at an everything school now, it's just, uh, I don't want to see, that momentum halted. Well, then, then find some people who want to fund it. I think we're in good shape. We're, yeah, we're making I, some. We're, I, I, think, I think. I don't think Tennessee's. Gonna, a, yeah, yeah, I don't think Tennessee's going to have a problem with that. I really don't. I, and I think, I think there's a lot of schools, especially in the Big Ten and the SEC, where even if you told them, okay, we we've got to devote more of the football money to football, mm. we're going to need somebody to help kick in and get this. They do it. Hmm. I think so too. I just. I wonder because a lot of these good programs, that's the difference of college uh, baseball with Cal State Fullerton, the East Carolinas, the Southern Misses of the world. Like it's just different and that's their big thing. And I don't know. I, I, I enjoy that. Um, and I'm a big college baseball guy, I guess. Um, Florida or Tennessee, though, who wins the SEC East next? Ooh. That's a tough one because Georgia is going to be up there for a long time. <laughs> that's- they are, but. I, I will say like with Georgia, the this is not going to end well with Stetson. Like he's not finishing on top. Like, they're not going back to back. Saban did it one time and it's going to end with a loss. And I'm not even sure it ends like they don't. My take Everybody's is like, season ends with a loss. I know, <laughs> but this is why he, him coming back will never make Except sense. The to one me. team. Well, it's uh, actually, it's not basketball. So it's not really like that. You might end mm. with a win in a game you consider meaningless, but true. If Setson Bennett doesn't win the national title, that doesn't mean it's a failure. Like, can I didn't please, say it was a failure. I just don't think like, please he had admit story this guy ending. might be good. Like, is it possible he might be good? He's extremely good. I'm I'm here for it. I hey, Stetson's a good player. He is a really good player. 
but Stetson's also like this is it. He's not getting drafted. It's not like there's life after football or football after this situation. Oh, there's there's life after this. There that is life. He's after never gonna have to buy a beer in the state of Georgia in the rest of his life. Yeah, I mean that's true. That's true. But I just I don't know. I think Georgia will be beatable. I think there will be scenarios where we still haven't seen Kirby utilize a five star quarterback yet. I imagine at some point that's going to come back to bite him. At you, some point that's going to have to I'm matter. I'm not worried about that because. They're going to begin utilizing them after sets and leaves. And at some point, they're going to luck into somebody who's like generational. They're going to be even better. Like, that's the problem with Mm. Georgia. They are building a monster that is very difficult to deal with. If you're Florida, Mm. if you're Tennessee, if you're Kentucky, if you're South Carolina. And now I would assume the next iteration of SEC scheduling doesn't include divisions. Mm. So then it becomes more. You see Alabama more often if you're Georgia. You see LSU more often if you're Georgia. You see Texas A&M more often if you're Georgia. And those are more comparable rosters. Mm-hmm. Now, Tennessee and Florida would like to have more comparable rosters, and they're working toward that. Mm-hmm. But it's, At least one of us is. I think they're both working pretty hard. And, I mean, neither of them are doing all that well compared to, to Georgia and Alabama. It's early. I don't know, man. Uh, the Nico effect is in full, uh, for lack of a better word, in effect right now. Yeah. And then Number if Nico... Number five and two, four, seven. Yeah. yeah. Okay, that's great. Mm-hmm. You ever watch Joe Milton practice? I Oh, the Joe Milton stories. I've seen him on campus. Joe Milton, and you wrote about it. I, I tell yep. somebody's about it where you saw it. It's incredible, right? It's you. Somebody told me this and, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, what, what are you talking about? Somebody told me <laughs> if you see him throw in practice, you will say mm-hmm. this is the best quarterback I've ever seen in my life. Mm-hmm. And I, I did. And I was like, yep. <laughs> and and this is this is this spring. So I mm-hmm. knew Hendon Hooker's the starter. I know what how the story ends. Yeah. And that's what and that's the thing. When when you put all your eggs in the first five-star quarterback that you've signed. And they haven't actually signed him yet, but I'm assuming mm. they will. But the first five-star quarterback that you've signed since 2003. Mm. And by the way, the last one didn't pan out. Mm-hmm. So I, that doesn't mean it's going to work. It's mm-hmm. no, There's no guarantee of anything. But yeah, no, I mean, I, I think both schools feel like they're they're – heading in that in that right direction you know florida they're excited about what anthony richards can do i don't know how good he's going to be he Mm. certainly showed flashes at times last year but he was he didn't stay healthy and there was a reason that dan mullen didn't just switch to him now dan mullen also had to be basically talked into switching to Dak prescott at mississippi state too so Hmm. that might be something to that but we didn't get a we danced around it though. Who do you think? Because I do agree with you in the broader sense where like Georgia is this Death Star where ultimately yeah. they are well, let me put it this way. I don't think there's gonna be an SEC East. That's true. The next time one of them is capable of beating Georgia. I think Tennessee in the, in the standings. Beating, I think Tennessee is capable of beating Georgia this year. I do. Uh, they're gonna stop them? I think <laughs> capable or is, this, in this, or is this gonna be an Oklahoma, Texas Tech situation with Baker and, and Mahomes? It's more like that, I would guess. Uh, the secondary in Knoxville is still not great. Uh, I'm I'm still pretty concerned on that front, but I do think year two with Hypel and Hendon being as good as he has been, and with the like, 
I'm curious to see what Brukoy does out wide if they get anything out of him. He's a five, former five star. Uh, yep. By all accounts, really good. Multiple, to, multiple different schools. Yep. Multiple different schools. So that's a gamble. But if that's a gamble yep. that works, I mean, that's a big thing. Uh, Squirrel White, I cannot wait to see him play. That is, I am so excited about him. I, I told Josh Heupel this when I saw him in Destin. Mm-hmm. I said, whatever you can do to get that guy the ball. Yeah. Because I want guys named Squirrel and guys <laughs> named Porkchop to succeed. Mm-hmm. Like that's I want to follow a sport where guys named Squirrel and Porkchop are famous. And he's got like a locked and ready to go uh, NIL situation because we have um, this squirrel around campus, this Oak Ridge squirrel. I forgot his yeah. name, but he's always at all the games. I don't know if you've seen him before, but he's this guy. He brings around his pet squirrel and he's dressed up in Tennessee stuff and he walks around and he's on your neck. He, he went on my shoulder at one game. I think it was a South Carolina game this this past fall, but um yeah no it's locked and loaded and he's just speedster um super talented kid that i think is uh of all the young uh receivers here in knoxville i think he's most likely to to pop right away but i don't know i just think um ultimately do you know how many schools did not win 10 games in the power five uh who won't score who were in top 10 in scoring last year do you know how many would that be one would that be, That'd be one and it was tennessee yeah. so if yeah. they're top 10 again i i just the wins have to come somewhere. If the offense is that good, I do think they're just going to be in games. I mean, they were in the Alabama game late. Like that was if, a yeah. dog fight. If, if they can beat Pitt, yeah. That town when Florida comes to town. Oh, it's going to be insane. It's going to feel like the roof's about to blow off. This I'm the entire sweating city. thinking about it right now. Andy, yeah. like I don't I'll be in the building and I just the nervousness and just it's a coliseum being a Nealon, as you know it's different like it is a different kind of feel and the nerves before the game during the game after you're a florida guy you know the callaway situation and everything else mm-hmm. where it doesn't matter how much better tennessee should be than florida yeah that game has just been 20 years now it's of torture yeah yes. i mean i mean i was at the dallas baker slap game in, mm-hmm. in 2004 if you'd have told me after that night, Tennessee will only win one more of these <laughs> between now and 2021, I would have been like, you are insane. There's no way. Yeah. No way. But we'll see. I mean, I will see. They're, when people talk, ask me about Tennessee and where they're going, I'm like, let's at, let, revisit after Florida. Let's revisit after Florida. Once we get I think, to I think they're going to be super fun to watch. I I'm I have no worries about their offense and being productive. It's just a matter of can they stop some people? Because if they can, they're going to be very competitive. Well, I think it's one of the two things where it's like everyone just wants to put like, oh, they're going eight and four. They'll just revenge the pit game and lose to who they're supposed to lose to and get to eight and four and then go to the bowl. I don't think it's that neat and clean. That's what I'm saying. We're on the same page because I'm like, I'm either saying that they either make a big jump where you're like, oh, God, they're nine and three, ten and two, where this offense is big time. Hendon Hooker is a Heisman candidate. Teams cannot deal with this firepower and everyone's a lot more comfortable and the defense is a little bit better and they get some third down stops. They were not getting last year. The pass rush is a little bit better. Um, but I do, um, I, I just, I think that's where it goes or it goes a step back where people pick up on the tempo and Hypo has to adjust and maybe injuries play a role and Hendon Hooker who took a lot of shots last year. That's a possibility of keeping him upright. Cause that guy, he is so good with his legs, but he takes some shots and yeah. he's just not built like Joe Milton. He's not built to take those kind of shots. So that's a concern. Yeah, he's, he's tough as nails. He usually mm-hmm. gets up. There are times, times when he couldn't, but yeah, I I'm, I'm really excited to see them play. There's a lot of teams in the sec though, that 
are tough out type teams that that mm-hmm. can go beat one of the one of the better teams. I mean, you look at Mississippi State. When's the last time Mike Leach had a third year starting quarterback? It yeah. was it was Luke Falk the year before the Gardner Minshew year, and I think they won nine games. Graham Harrell was in his third year as a starter in that year where they won eleven. Mm. Cliff Kingsbury was in his third year as a starter in their first like really good season at Texas Tech. So that hasn't happened very often, and they're a very old team. And I think that matters. I mean, you, you look at like Oklahoma State's defense last year, how good they were despite not having a ton of NFL guys. Well, it's because their average age was like 23. Yeah. They were just old. Yeah. And so I, I think you've got that. You've got Brian Kelly at LSU where there, there's always talent at LSU. And a guy, and now you've got a guy there who has won at every level. So mm-hmm. that'll be interesting. Arkansas has been really good since Sam Pittman showed up. And then Texas A&M, you think, okay – if they ever get the quarterback situation right, they're going to be maybe on Georgia Alabama level, and so get that. It kind of worked two years ago. People just yeah. forget the 2020 year. Yeah, unfortunately, really is forgotten good. for AM, yeah. which sucks for them because people are like, "Oh, what has Jimbo done?" It's like a normal year. That 2020 team showed that they were probably they were maybe one of the four best teams in college football. Like he's kind of proven it. That team was is just going to be lost to history. Yeah, but it was really good. Fourth year starting quarterback in Kellen Mon. Yeah. So not not coincidence. Very good offensive line. If they do, like, like if Max Johnson wins the job mm-hmm. and turns out to be awesome, you're talking about them maybe competing with Alabama. And, and look, this Alabama team is going to be really good. They're maybe the best offensive co- player in the country, definitely the best defensive player in the country. It's it's going to be tough to deal with them. But then on the east side, like Kentucky's going to be really good again this year. I, I without Wondell Robinson, mm-hmm. I do wonder: do they have to work a little harder to score points? But I listen. I I've, I'm a believer in, in the way Mark Stoops builds a team. He's just done really well at that over the years. And then South Carolina is a tricky one. They overachieved last year. They've got Spencer Rattler now starting a quarterback. Which I mean, if I told you that this time last year, Spencer Rattler will be South Carolina's starting quarterback going into the 2022 season, you would have you would have had me committed. Mm-hmm. So. I, this is all going to be fascinating to see. I mean, we, we, we kind of danced around Florida a little bit. I don't know what Florida's going to be. Yeah, there's a wild know, card in the East. Yeah, the, the roster probably isn't up to snuff to, to win in the East mm-hmm. or to win the East. But if Richardson turns out to be really good, that makes up for a lot. And then they become a team that can beat people they're not supposed to beat. Yeah. Um, we'll end on this, Andy. Um, who finishes last in the SEC West? This is my favorite part of all this because oh someone has gosh, to have a season st- from hell. Yeah, people just pencil in six and six for all these or seven and five. I'm like, that's not happening. Someone's going three and nine, four and eight. Well, the one that that I can't figure out is Ole Miss because yes. it's almost a completely different team, but that doesn't mean it's going to be a bad team. Mm-hmm. But it's almost easier to pick them to finish last because you kind of know what Arkansas is and you kind of know what Mississippi State is. Although, I, you know, I think my, who I might go with hmm. and because we, we kind of know where this is headed, whether they finish last in the West or not. So their fans are not going to be super mad at me if I say this because they're like, well, whatever. Auburn. Yeah. I mean, they, they're, their recruiting is, is what you'd expect if you had a coach who wasn't a particularly – elite recruiter anyway and then you tried to stab him in the back mm-hmm. so yeah, i think 
I think I just I'll go with them because there's, it doesn't feel like there's a lot to be excited about right now. It's just rare. Auburn, it doesn't happen. Like they don't go four and eight. And if you look at it their history, the last three, it doesn't happen. So it's like, well, it does happen. I mean, Gene Chizik's last year, they went away. immediately the adjust. Yeah, it's pretty right, rare. Exactly. Though. Like it's just, yeah. it's not a, and they make a quick correction. They're like, that's not Auburn football. We're over. Oh, like, and that, and that's the thing. I'm not worried about them long term. Like yeah. they will be good again very soon, but they've, they have poisoned the well with this yeah. particular situation and they just need to let it play out and then move on. I could see like LSU, I don't think would shock me at all where it's just kind of a rude awakening where you're kind of having to get things right. When you have three quarterbacks where they might play three different quarterbacks and they are just the musical chairs on that front. I don't know. I mean, it's a possibility. I don't, Jackson Dart I don't might be bad. I don't think the LSU awakening is going to go that direction. I think it might go mm. the other direction where it's like, oh, crap, LSU has a really good <laughs> roster still. Well, I mean, the last three coaches have won national titles. It's a good spot exactly. to be in. Uh, exactly. It's a good spot to be in. Brian Kelly was like, yeah, I'll go ahead and do that. Yeah. Uh, Andy Staples, we can read you. Theathletic.com. Go subscribe if you're not already. Monday through Friday on The Athletic uh, for your podcast, The Andy Staples Show. Uh, anything else you'd like to plug as we wrap up here on a, on a Tuesday night? No, I think that's it. That's, that's all... Uh... That's all I do. Well, you've given me so much of your time tonight. I greatly appreciate it, Andy. Uh, Have a great rest of your week. Get ready for SEC Media Days next week. Should be fun. I am set. I I will be in Atlanta. And first time I've been since 2019. So I'm, I'm ready to go. Traffic's still there as a former, as a longtime Atlanta guy. Listen, I, I am there. just, I, I, I'm actually renting a car, driving to the airport, mm-hmm. Ubering from the rental car center to the hotel, and I do not intend to get in a car again unless it's for food. Okay, you get it. Yeah, that's, that's how you got to do it. Uh, traffic. It's unlike anything else. Andy Staples, thank you so much. And uh, we'll have to check back in again soon. Yes, sir. Appreciate it. All right, that'll do it for the Wednesday, July 13th, 2022 edition here on the Chase Moms Podcast. Thank you uh, for making the Chase Moms Podcast part of your daily listen. Three-parter today here on the program. Uh, jam-packed with all kinds of fun guests that I hope you guys enjoyed. Uh, and make sure if you uh, have not already, subscribe on this channel, YouTube.com, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcast. Make sure you're locked in and subscribe so that you never miss any of our content. A uh, lot of jam-packed shows the rest of the way this week that I'm very excited about. So, Look out for that here on the Chase Most Podcast feed and all of that good stuff. Uh, that'll do it for me, Uncle Derek. How'd I do? Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.